0: Today's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great gambling tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive articles, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to spot for sports content. Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute talk show live from Los Angeles. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get into it, if you haven't already, maybe you're bored because of the lockout. It's continuing for baseball. Uh, The the meetings aren't getting anywhere. It doesn't look like spring training is going to start on time. So if you're like me, you're a baseball fan. You need to get your baseball fix in. You can head to Dorm Room Dispute. Check out my exclusive interview with 1993 Cy Young Award winner Jack McDowell. You can also find that on my Twitter at Mitch Kaminsky99. Pin tweet right there. Uh, you go to Spotify. Should be uh, after their most recent episode uh, right down there. But uh, check it out. It is definitely a great list, and you can see what he thinks of Tony La Russa. Why didn't the White Sox resign him? Could the team have won the 1994 World Series during the strike? Lots of information and more, and why he hates analytics. It's Veer Baseball Fan. Great lesson, White Sox fan, even better. All right, let's get into the NFL news this week. There was a lot of it, and let's start with this. When Brian Flores got fired from the Dolphins, immediately he came on the show and said, it's a problem, the guy you fired is immediately the number one head coaching candidate on the market. Like, I honest to God thought that is a sure fire, like, that's a slam dunk hire. I wanted the Bears to hire him. He was the top of my list of all the candidates that were available uh, to be hired. Because he was the only one that was like winning games consistently. Look at all the coaches that got fired. There's a common theme with all of them. Look at the quarterbacks. Didn't play all that well. Below average performing quarterbacks. The only exception maybe you can make, Mike Zimmer with the Vikings. But I would argue is Kirk cousin's really been that good. He's been let go by the uh, now Washington Commanders. Uh, if he was a franchise quarterback, they would have held on to him. People have been saying the Vikings have been overpaying him for years. How many divisions have they won, the Kirk Cousins? Yeah, that's what I thought. So he, he, he's been good. But outside of him, every other quarterback is below average, bottom tier of the league. That's what, like, you're, The head coach is only as good as your quarterback, and they all have losing records, except for one. There was one coach with the exception to that rule. That was Brian Flores. He had 2-0, bottom third quarterback in the league. Look at the numbers. It's true. He is around 28th to 31st as far as quarterbacks go, in the league. Plays in Miami, can't throw in the rain. You pretty much cost him a playoff spot this year. Brian Flores had a winning record with him. He didn't even want to, but he had a winning record with him. Name the other coaches that could have done that. Joe Judge, that team was a mess. You saw the Bears with Justin Fields, who we think is going to be good, but he, he didn't play that well. And then Andy Dalton, they were a mess. The Broncos, Drew Locke and uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Disaster! All the coaches go down the line. Poor quarterback play. That's why they got fired. Except Brian Flores, he had a winning record with a bad quarterback. He was the only one to make it work. So if that's not what, so if that's not the reason, like reason enough to hire him, I don't know what is. So now it's coming out that he he's suing the NFL and for good reason too. And the fact that, because I mean we all knew this was a shame. Like the, the 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 Rooney Rule. It's good in theory, but I heard a great interview. Uh, yesterday, it was Emmanuel Acho, he was speaking on Fox Sports, and he was talking about how, when he was with the Eagles organization, they had a running backs coach. He had been there for years. And he used to play running back for the Eagles. The name escaped the top of my head. But as soon as they fired Chip Kelly, middle of the season, the first person that was interviewed before the year was over was a running backs coach. Why? They wanted to fill the Rooney Rule. Everyone knew he had no chance of getting that job. But they wanted to get out of the way before their actual coaching start started. And everyone knew it. But what's he supposed to do? Not take that job? Like, interview? Because right now, as it is, for a lot of these blackhead coaches, uh, you get these interview opportunities. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, you know it's a sham interview, but if you don't take it, then they're just going to use that again. So, well, we tried to interview him. We gave him a chance. He didn't want to interview. So like, it's really... You, you, there's no there's no way of winning it. Then, sure enough, they, they fired Doug Peterson. First thing that happens, uh, first guy they interview, running back's coach. Again, to fill the Rooney rule. So, like, everyone knows, the rule is broken. So, uh, props to Brian Flores for finally saying, after being humiliated. Like, that's why I think those texts were so important, too, he sent with Bill Belichick, because it was, it was embarrassing for him. It was uh, humiliating for him. And he's saying enough is enough. You know, we're not going to take this anymore. I realize I'm risking my future in the NFL, but something needs to be done. So props to him for for doing that first off. And I think he has a good chance of beating it. But what is so baffling to me, before we dive deeper into that, uh, is the Giants, were one of the teams listed that he he was filing a lawsuit against. Which, and you saw the text messages too, that, uh, and they eventually hired Brian Daybolt, but like, he was scheduled for the interview, and they had already made up their mind that they were hiring Brian Dayball. So, he has to come in there, put his best foot forward, knowing he's not going to get it. That, that's awful. But the, the, the worst thing is, too, you look at the Giants last year. When was the last time the Giants were good? Who was their head coach? Tom Coughlin. You know why they were good? Disciplined. Strict. Didn't take any crap. Somewhat collapsed with ownership, but... He ran a tight ship. What did Brian Flores do down to Miami? Discipline, defense, holds players accountable. Well, they didn't like that. You had Tom Coughlin from welcome, so they went for nice guys. And then they got all these boobs like Ben McAdoo coming in there and uh, Joe Judge, who wasn't even a coordinator before he got that job. And here you have a, a guy That was not only a coordinator for Bill Belichick, but a successful head coach. He had a winning record in Miami. With a horrible roster when he inherited. And a poor quarterback. So he's very qualified display. Check. Oh, guess what? He's also from the New York area. Blue-collar guy. New York, he understands the market. Check. Was winning games with a subpar quarterback. Hmm, who do the uh, Giants have as their quarterback right now? Oh, yeah, Daniel Jones. Kind of subpar. You know, I think Brian Dayball is going to realize it's a lot harder to develop a uh, Daniel Jones than it is to uh, develop a a Josh Allen. Everyone's giving him credit for developing Josh Allen. And props to him. He did a great job developing Josh Allen. But there's a lot to work with there. Near 7-foot tall guy with the cannon of an arm can run like that. You know, Daniel Jones is athletic and all, but not the same physical specimen. That's going to be tough to win games with. So that's on the offensive side of the football. So I I think, you know, and this is not to say that Brian Daywell is going to be a bad hire. Like, sure, I'm sure it was a good, but like he, the fact that they gave Brian Flores a sham interview with his resume and like he would have been the perfect fit in New York with <laughs> the hat there. He got a sham interview. Like that is just pathetic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And this is the other analogy I heard, and it was a good analogy. I liked it because it, it rang true. Uh, and I'll use an example uh, from my girlfriend. So you know, you sometimes you get you get the tea from the inside of their friend group, and you know when there's drama or whatnot, uh, they they have their main group chat because she lived with uh, three other three other roommates. They're all friends or whatever, so they have their main roommate group chat or whatever. Well, then when there's drama between the one of them, as inevitably are, you know, you know how women are. <laughs> um, I guess guy too, technically, but not to be sexist or anything. But yeah, you know, the petty little argument or something. They have another group chat with three of them excluding the one without the argument. And then she's like, yeah, and then we also have one with, like, three others and then not that one. So, uh, you know, if there's one with, like, excluding roommate A, and there's another one excluding roommate B, depending on what it happened. And... It's kind of like, she's like, yeah, I'm assuming they have one about without me, too, just in case, like, something, you know, if something came up and they want to talk about me behind my back. But, like, there's no way of proving it. You know, you think it's going on, but you have no way of proving that there's this this third group chat excluding me where they're colluding behind my back. And what the Bill Belichick text messages to Brian Flores did, it exposed the coaches slash owners Group chat where, yeah, we are uh, using the Rooney Bill and interviewing these head coaches just so we can fill the vacuum, which most of these people knew and you figure was going on, but there was no way to prove it. That right there proved it. Like, that was pretty damning evidence. And I think, unlike Colin Kaepernick, who took a stand against, you know, injustice like that, and he kind of got like, well, oh, I think Brian Flores has a chance to win this one. I, I really do. I think he has a really good case, and you saw him on CBS in the morning. You saw him on ESPN with, uh, Wright Greenberg. Uh, I think he, he handled it great. Like, he could have easily been kicking and screaming and yelling and making case because he has a right to be justifiably pissed off. No! Cool, calm, collected, answered him reasonably, which was, you know, he he would have been in his right to be, like, coming on there and being, quite frankly, this is bullshit. I'm getting screwed over. So have all these other minority head coaches over the year. No, he didn't. I think I think he has a real case here. I think this is the only way you can make change. Because there's times when, you know, you lose. You, you don't have many options. There's not much hope left. You know, you can choose to just, oh, well, he's that's my lot in life, so be it, or you can choose to fight, and this man, if you watch any of his teams play, he is a fighter, and I, I, I commend him for doing so, I really wanted the Bears to hire him, I, I think, you know, the we're gonna go through all the new hires in a second, I mean, I don't know, I think he was the best coaching candidate on the market, and that included uh, Jim Harbaugh, too, and I, I like Jim Harbaugh, he would have been my second choice out of all the coaching candidates available, but like, I, I really don't understand it and also I heard this notion too when the news came out that they were the, the ownership he was working with and the reason that he got fired they're saying he wasn't collaborative he was you know he can get along with the ownership well he gets in there and there's only 32 of these jobs in the world to be an NFL head coach they are rare they don't come along often. And, as we find out, it's especially rare if you're a minority head coach. He got the privilege to be hired to an NFL head coaching job. He wants to make the most of it. Well, what do they do when they first come in there? The owner is trying to pay him to throw games, to fix games. You know, first off, Pete Rose got banned from the Hall of Fame for life for fixing ga- betting, on, betting on games. Basically the same thing here. He's trying to have him fix games. So that, that was number one. Number two, say he did try and throw those games and intentionally take, and take all that money. What does that say for his resume? His coaching record would've been terrible, and then in a couple years when they fired him, they'd be like, well, it's justifiably so. Look at Brian Flores' record, he was terrible. Look at that head coach. So there would've been no way to defend himself there. So that's number two, and number three, I think there's a co- clear disconnect between the owners and coaches in general. Uh, because, like, an owner, when you're sitting on the box, you don't have to deal with a locker room of 53 men looking at you every day and trusting you, and you have to address them every day. And if you're tanking, you know, how are you going to get guys to buy in? I'm trying to build a winning culture over there, which I think he did. I think he did a damn good job of that. So that was over trick. Because I heard someone, like, we were texting in this group chat. Um, I was in with, like, you know, a couple of my other Sports uh, communication buddies. And uh, the one was like, yeah, that's actually a pretty sweet deal. You get paid all this money. Like, no. I mean, sure, in theory, but, like, if you're a head coach, how do you expect anyone else to buy in if that was your reasoning? And then the other thing, too, was we saw, I think they were trying to tank, uh, they wanted to have a meeting, basically tampering uh, for a quarterback. And I'm assuming it was Deshaun Watson is my guess, or maybe uh, they. I know they wanted to draft uh, Joe Burrow, too, is why they wanted to tank for the number one uh, pick uh, that year. And he didn't want to tamper. So he didn't want to break the rules. And, you know, that caused bad, you know, communication in the front office. Basically, to tamper the relationship because he wanted to, like, do things by the book. And he got punished for it. So I think, overall, he got screwed over. It, it just, it, the whole thing sucks. I hate to see it, it. But, you know what, I think hopefully something good comes out of this, the fact that he is taking action soon. Because, like, everyone in the NFL, if you talk to any players, they know this has been going on for a long time. Like it, it just has. So hopefully, uh, by him uh, addressing it, that some some good positive change comes out of this. Because I mean, yeah. I mean, think about that though. You're really only as good as your quarterback. Like the Bill Polian, great general manager, front office guy, built the Bills dynasties uh, back in the '90s that made four straight Super Bowls. He was the general manager that put together that Colts roster. Uh, Peyton Manning they got him his first Super Bowl. You know, they were asking him on this Chicago Sports Talk radio, like, what do you think of about him? He's like, well, it's going to be up to Justin Fields. Like, as the head coach, you are only as good as your quarterback. Like, look at Zach Taylor. Before Joe Burrow got there, everyone's praising Zach Taylor. Like, I, I don't think he's, like, some special head coach. I think Joe Burrow's special. So making him look pretty damn good. Like, look at Mike McCarthy. Man's a boob. And won a Super Bowl. Why? Aaron Rodgers. Same thing here. Joe Burr, like, you're only as good as your quarterback. And look who Brian Flores' quarterback was. And he nearly dragged him to the playoffs two years in a row. And a you year know, they started one and six. And they, they were still a game away from making the postseason. That's incredible. And he couldn't get he couldn't get a job. Or even forget for getting a job. Decent interviews with the, the Giants? Who've been a joke? Like Why wouldn't you even consider? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, no, I don't know. Enough on that. So let's go through some of these these head coaches uh, here. I We're going to go down the list. And so the big news this week was John Harbaugh is staying at Michigan. He met with the Vikings. Vikings didn't hire him. Why the Vikings didn't hire him? I don't know. They wanted some um, Sean McVay disciple. That's the way they're going, and honestly, I think the reason Jim Harbaugh didn't get hired is kind of similar to Brian Flores, is because nowadays they want collaboration and guys that'll work well with owners. And Jim Harbaugh, you know, big personality, he clashes with ownership at times. So I, didn't, I think that's partly why. Even when he was with the 49ers, he tends to he he wears out his welcome quickly. Um, but I think what we're gonna see before we even get into the head coaches, this is another interesting thing. The way the transfer portals work now, I think you're gonna see a lot more of these college coaches moving to the NFL. Because for a while, the the college route was the way to go as a head coach. You're getting paid more, there's more stability, you can recruit all the players you want, you don't have to worry about like free agency or draft like you can have first round like you know, you don't have to worry about a draft where you're falling in the order. You, you can pick up any four-star recruit you want. And now the transfer portal's open up. Which, by the way, I'm not anti-transfer portal. Coaches can go wherever they want. Why can't the players? You know, I'm not saying that. But I think what you're going to see now with the transfer portal, you, you got guys that will have one bad game or they get benched or they don't win the starting job, and all of a sudden they want to transfer. And people are moving all over. And, like, look at the Oklahoma Sooners right now. They just lost two. They thought they had two great quarterbacks. Both of them transferred out of there. There's a lot more uncertainty, and there's not much stability. Now in the NFL, you could get a franchise quarterback. He could be there your next 12 years. Like, look at Tom Brady and the Patriots. You get your quarterback, he's there for the next decade. You know, you get the salary cap. You got guys signed under contracts so they can't really leave. There's a little bit more stability as far as roster flexibility goes. And picking out your staff and everything. And you got ownership. You're not worried about boosters. You got to, so I think because of this transfer portal chaos, I think you're gonna see a lot more of these great college coaches Trying to move their way into the NFL. But uh, we're, we're going to go through all the new head coaching hires. Uh, the Vikings one hasn't been official yet, so we're not going to grade that. I think they should have hired uh, Jim Harbaugh, and I'm glad they didn't as a Bears fan. So, but we won't grade that one yet because it hasn't officially been announced. But we're going to go down the list. And we'll, we'll, we'll give a little letter grade for all the new head coaches. So Josh McDaniels with the Raiders. Now Josh McDaniels, as we know, he's been with the Patriots for a while, been the offensive coordinator over there. His first stint as a head coach. Not great. Now he's getting a second chance. Um, there is some baggage there, like, let's be honest. But there's some baggage with the Raiders franchise as well. I think when you've been working with Tom Brady as long as he has, I think he did a pretty good job with Mac Jones this year. There's a lot to work with with the Raider, Raiders. Like Despite all the dysfunction and chaos that was over there, they still made the playoffs. Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. Like That's a very serviceable, Like you can win a lot of games with Derek Carr. You got a good running back, too, Josh Jacobs. You got some outside weapons. You got one of the best tight ends in football, Darren Waller. I think you figure out the defense a little bit. But it'll be coming to a staff hire. I think this is a great hire for him. I actually really like this hire for the Raiders. I think this is going to be a great fit. I'm gonna because of the slight baggage, you know, he kind of flaked out of the Indianapolis job, and you know, his first head coaching stint wasn't good. But he deserves a second chance. I'm giving this a B plus. I think that's a very good hire for the Raiders, Brian Dayball. And now everyone loves Brian Dayball. And I already said I think they should have hired Brian Flores. But I I was never sold. Even despite that, I was never I I don't I'm not so sold on Brian Dayball anyway. I think he was the product did he develop josh allen yes but a lot of those tools were there i think it just took him a few years to figure it out um with the fit they have i i don't know i am not as high on brian dayball as others um there's some people that i think it may i mean it does make a little bit of sense you know he's front. he was coaching in buffalo now new york and he, he Knows how to run a good offense. You, you saw how those Bills' offenses ran. The Giants, obviously, they need a lot of offense to help. That, that offense was pretty stagnant. I'm giving this one a C+. I'm not as high in Nable as others. I think there's better candidates that they could have gotten. But, uh, you know, because what he did with Josh Silentiste's resume, I'm giving that one a C+. All right, Matt Eberflus to the Bears. This one, I you know, it happened, and it kind of came out of left field. And um, he, uh... <laughs> But he he was circling around other these these other head coaching uh, circles for a while. You know his name was getting floated around uh, and everything. I I think he did a good job with with the the, the Colts defense. They force a lot of turnovers. And then when they were interviewing him, apparently what they really liked he's he kind of like a throwback to Levy Smith. He wants guys that can create turnovers. Uh, and listening to him being interviewed, Once wants guys that hustling, He wants to change the Colts' run here. They're, they're going to be hustling. They're going to play hard. Then he wants accountability. So I kind of like that. Uh, but I don't think the Bears, the Colts' defense was like, it wasn't like, you know, it's not blowing anyone away. Uh, and I think with the Justin Fields as your quarterback, and that's the guy you need to develop. And as we said, you're only as good as your quarterback. I would have gotten maybe an offensive-minded head coach because now you have a great coordinator, which is a good problem to have, but now you get a good coordinator, he looks good, he's gonna get hired for a head coaching job. It's the way the NFL goes, you're gonna have to keep replacing coordinators. Hard to build some stability there. So this one, once again, I'm giving that a C plus. I think there's potential, like the Dayball hire, but like I just don't think, I think out of all the candidates, I think there's better options, better fits. Nathaniel Hackett to the Broncos. Uh, you know, he's been an offensive coordinator for the Packers for a while. Was not calling plays, that's not a huge deal. And I think the knee-jerk reaction was he's here for Aaron Rodgers, he's trying to bait him. Well, you're putting a lot of chips in the middle of the table if he's just there for bait. So he better be able to coach a little bit. I think he can. Um and it's gonna it's gonna depend who the quarterback is down there. Uh, I mean, obviously you look good with the Packers because he had Aaron Rodgers, but uh He does have a pretty good resume. When he was in Jacksonville, he helped Blake Bortles and them get to the playoffs. So, um, I, I think... He can come up with some fresh ideas. I think he can help that offense. I think Denver's in need of an offensive-minded head coach, finally. You know, their defense has some pieces in place. But that offense, I mean, you look at it, that roster's solid. That's a very good roster, a lot of good players there. Uh, they just got to get the quarterback right, and he helped Blake Bortles. So I think that I like this hire, actually. I'm going to give this one a B plus. I actually really do like uh, the the Hackett uh, hire. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we got as of right now. Um... We'll keep seeing, you know, once the Vikings, I mean, it looks like the Vikings are gonna be hiring uh, Kevin O'Connell as their head coach. Uh, once that's official, we'll get some more news on that. And that one, I don't know, I probably would've gotten Jim Harbaugh over him, but uh, we shall see. How about those football games last weekend, though? Once again, come down to the wire. Uh, free money for the first time. In like, was it seven or eight weeks? We were like 16 and four. I believe, or 18-4, 18-4, 16-4, 18 yeah, I we, mean, we, we were on a roll for a while, uh, first losing week, 0-2, those are tough ones, and the Rams one was the most painful because I was kind of rooting for the 49ers, and I, you know, we put... We we picked we picked the we picked the Rams to cover. That's who we were. The money was on the Rams. Uh, so you know if they were gonna win. They might as well cover. But like between the two teams, I like the 49ers better. Jimmy G's on the team. Robbie Gold. Jimmy G's a White Sox fan. Robbie Gold used to play for the Bears. Well, you know I like the 49ers. And uh, not only did the 49ers not win, uh, they covered the spread. So it was really the worst case scenario all the way around. So that kind of stung. Uh, but uh, what was that? Game management. Boy, at some point you are what you are. Kyle Shanahan in the fourth quarters it, it, I think it's we've we've seen enough where we know this man is not good in the fourth quarters like that label is going to stick with you you've had enough times to correct it even against the Cowboys his game management late in games was terrible like and it cost him games that that was bad I also think Sean McVay you know, someone needs to be fired for telling him to throw the challenge flag like they burned through all their timeouts with like the 12 minute mark They no challenges left either? And the one they challenged is a QB sneak, which as a general rule, you should never challenge a QB sneak because it's just a big mass of bodies and a sea of humanity down there. So what the spot, they're just kind of guessing anyway. What do you think a review is going to show? You can never get conclusive evidence to overturn a call. So that was a dumb challenge. The other one looked like and Marshall always says this for the Broncos too. It's kind of true. Like he'll challenge, like Vic the and Angio would always challenge like one play a game it seemed like because like, oh, I really want this fumble to be true. Like that's what that looked like I th- with the second challenge he had. It, it looked like a clear uh, incomplete pass. It, it, it was, or uh, yeah, and Dude the challenge like I so that was that was baffling. The first time like watching it in real time, I'm like, no way, that's getting overturned. And sure enough, it did not. So that was some pretty terrible game management. Andy Reed, too. I think all the coaches outside Zach Taylor did a pretty pretty horrible job managing that game. I mean, Andy Reed just stopped running the ball for some reason. which was the, the, uh, another head-scratcher to me. But the Rams survived. And You know what? It was that good defense, once again, that got it there. The defense made just enough plays uh, to get the job done. I don't think Matt Stafford was anything overwhelming. I, I think that was a bad decision on the interception. You had Odell one-on-one with a fade, and it cost him seven points there. Probably would have covered, not for that. But he made just enough plays, and, you know, congratulations for him. He gutted out with the Lions all those years. So there's a loyal servant over there, and now he's finally getting rewarded with the Super Bowl. So I am happy for Matt Stafford. Now let's get to the real, the, the real game. Uh, the better between the two, I, I should say. Boy, has there ever been a worst half from a superstar quarterback to Patrick Mahomes? And this is why you never, you never, after this early in a career, you, you annoy the guy a goat. Because that was pretty terrible. Like that loss, you can pin a lot of that on Patrick Mahomes. Which is amazing, because it's a lot of what he's been in his career. That first half of the game was phenomenal. This was one of the best halves of football I, he's played all season. Uh, and you mix that in with how he was, he was really riding a hot hand. He looked tremendous. Arm angles, moving out of the pocket, ripping off big games, marching down the field. He played great. Then after that play, and this is why I always say this too, this is another reason I hate it. You always take the points, especially when you're up that big. Playoff game or not, you take the points. It always comes back to bite you. They were down at the one-yard line. Five seconds left, kick the field goal. You're up 21 to 10. Kick the field goal, take the points. They didn't take the points. Guess how many they lost by? Three. Would've been nice if they had that field goal there. And not only that, just the play call, like it was a total lapse from Patrick Mahomes. I think he didn't realize that they'd used the challenge early in the game, and they burned a timeout before when they used that challenge. Uh, so when they use the challenge, they burn the timeout. I don't think Patrick Mahomes realized they called the timeout then. So he still thought they had one left because he didn't know they used that timeout. So he threw that play to Tyreek Hill trying to make something happen, thinking they had a timeout. They didn't. So like if you, I I wasn't opposed for them running that play if you can get it into the end zone, but like it was like, that was a disaster, like a brain lapse there, and that's why you know. If I was the head coach, I would have taken the points there. We saw it with the Chargers, who always go for it. And you know what? kind of cost them a playoff spot because it cost them games. And same thing with the Chiefs here. I think that move shattered Mahomes' confidence. Kind of looked like it when you watched them that second half. And they ended up losing by three points because they didn't take the points there. Uh, So, you know, I think he'll bounce back. He's going to be fine next year. The Chiefs are going to be right back. I'm I'm not too worried if I was them or a Chiefs fan. But, man, what a ugly... Ugly half of football for him and it cost him the spot. But this would be an interesting Super Bowl. I'm excited. It's not usually your typical teams. You got the Rams who've been there, uh, but you know, kind of a new face, new face Rams, and, and you got the Bengals. The Bengals. Who would have thought? Not me. Initial knee jerk reactions. Right now the line's about four. Uh or three three and a half, four, four and a half. Uh, I've been betting against the Bengals all these times. I kind of like the Bengals in this one. There's something about them that hang in the games. Joe Burrow never seems to be out of it. That, That should be a good Super Bowl. We'll have an official pick next week stay tuned. We'll have a free money edition next week with some Super Bowl prop bets for you and who to take on the spread slash money line. But knee jerk, I kind of like the Bengals right now. We'll have to wait and see though as it goes along. And I'm kind of interested to hear some health updates too. If Tyler Higbee's going to play, it doesn't sound like he's going to play if Uzama's back for the Bengals. So we'll see. All right, last but not least, we got Tom Brady's retirement. Congratulations to him, wonderful career. And I can't believe he's playing this. I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. I think a lot of people took him for granted, hated him when he was the Patriots and the evil empire over there. But uh, I was kind of enjoying his run. He was getting a little bit more likable with old age, too. He had some funny, like, he was great on Twitter. Um, I thought he was funny, I think. And he was playing at a high level. Like, he left two years. On the table there, like where he still probably could have been playing, uh, which was impressive. But I do want to address this. Everyone's giving Adam Shafter crap. Um it makes it makes no sense to me why everyone's giving Adam Shafter crap for doing his job. He doesn't owe Tom Brady anything. Why should he have to hold the, as a reporter? It is his job to report news. He will be doing ESPN and himself a disservice if he had that information and didn't do it. What does he owe Tom Brady? You get that report. Yeah, you, you, you get, you, you said that's a huge news story. Why wouldn't you break it? He doesn't owe Tom Brady anything. Keep it in the house. Do a better job. Like, you know, maybe you shouldn't have leaks. And I get why Tom Brady was upset because he wanted to do it on his own. I get it. But he was talking with that geezer on his podcast or whatever on Sirius X. I was like, oh, can you believe you did this to you? Like, no. Adam Schefter was not in the wrong there at all. You get a story like that, same as Darling, you report. Like, I mean, we're going to blame the guy for doing his job. No, that was too big of a story to not report. But as far as Tom Brady goes, purely from him, uh, what a great career. And I, you know what? I think good for He has nothing left to accomplish. Like I get he probably could have played another couple years. like what what else does he have to prove he's he's already shown he is the greatest quarterback that's ever played this game which is incredible because he didn't have the biggest arm definitely was the most talented uh physically gifted fastest but he worked his ass off he studied harder than anyone fully dedicated to the game you watch that tom versus time documentary you see what made him great uh and lastly lastly these patriots fans so you spoiled entitled fan base shut up He doesn't owe you anything either. Oh, he didn't mention us. in He gave you six Super Bowl rings. Grow up. Has there ever been a more spoiled fan base than Boston? You win a championship every other year between the Patriots, Red Sox, and Bruins. Give me a break. Quit your crying. The uh, Boston fans, shut up. He doesn't owe you anything. Oh, he didn't include us in his Twitter message. He already said goodbye to you once when he went off to Tampa. You know, can it. I don't want to hear it. Save your tears for another day, you bunch of crybabies. Yeah, 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 I have enough of you. Shove it. Don't want to hear it. You have nothing to cry about. You know how I watch? I would love to have a franchise quarterback like that in Chicago you know, he could say whatever he want. He could say, F the Bears, give us the finger on the way out. But if he gave us six Super Bowls, I'd be like, you know what? It's fine with me. You know, you did all you could for this organization, man. you don't owe us anything. That is the show. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week.